Welcome to Broadway Corner with Ashley Ha, where you can hear your favorite performers talk about how they got started, their careers, and everything in between. Make sure to follow me on Instagram and Spotify at Broadway Corner with Ashley Ha, and on my main Broadway account at Broadway underscore Corner on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome back to Broadway Corner with Ashley Ha. I am so happy you are here and today looks a little bit different. As you can see, we're not on a Zoom call anymore. We're live, we're in person. We're at Ipswich at Boston Conservatory. Um, and so this marks my very first in-person podcast. And today I'm speaking with someone very special who I've learned so much from in the past semester. You've seen him on Broadway in shows like Motown and Beetlejuice, but you've all, everyone here at Boston Conservatory knows him as one of the best jazz teachers there is. It is Ramon Owens. Hi, Hi Ramon, how hey. are you? I'm good, Ashley, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I mean, it's a, it's a Friday, we're yeah. done with the week. Yeah. I'm not dancing today, so I can take a break. Me neither. Happy Friday. <laughs> happy Friday. Happy, happy Friday. Um, and so I'll read a little <clears throat> bit about you. So Ramon Owens joined Boston Conservatory in 2020 and is an assistant professor of theater specializing in musical theater and jazz dance. And I take jazz with Ramon in level one. Um, and prior to the conservatory, Ramon served on the faculty of the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts, Long Island University, and was a guest instructor at the American Music and Dramatic Academy's High School Summer Conservatory. That's a lot of words. <laughs> um, he's also been an associate choreographer at North Carolina Theater, Pace University, and the University of Michigan. And aside from teaching, Ramon spent 12 years as a performer. Highlighted credits include Broadway and touring performances of Beetlejuice the Musical and Motown the Musical. He's also appeared in the off-Broadway production of Finian's Rainbow at the Irish Repertory Theater and regional productions of The Sting at the Paper Mill Playhouse and The Prince of Egypt at Theater Works Silicon Valley. And as a proud alumni of Boston Conservatory, <laughs> where we are right now, Ramon holds a BFA in musical theater with an emphasis in dance, just like what I'm trying to do, except maybe the dance part might be swapped with something else, but the musical theater part regardless. And while in Boston, he attended and received a full scholarship to study at the Boston Ballet Summer Dance Intensive and perform with the Boston Dance Company. Oh my gosh, Ramon, you have done a lot in your life um, since being at Boco. Yeah. You've done so many different shows, been on Broadway, been on tour, regional stuff everywhere. I mean, North Carolina, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, especially because you're from California, just like me. Um, like, yeah, so excited to get to talk to you today. Thanks, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and to start out, let's talk about your background. Like, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school, maybe high school? Just what was your discovery of theater, and how did Ramon become the Ramon we know right now? <laughs> well, I grew up, am I looking at you or the camera? You can look at me. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm like, well, no. <laughs> um, I grew up in Carson, California, and if you know California, Southern California, Long Beach, it's about 15 minutes outside My of Long Beach. My dad did his residency at Long Beach. Okay, no way. Yeah. Okay, great, Carson. <laughs> then I'm, I'm from Carson, California. Um, I'm from a huge family. I've got five other siblings. I'm the second eldest of six. Um, and I'm from a basketball family. Everybody in my family plays basketball. Oh, wow. And in middle school, <laughs> I tried basketball, didn't work out for me, sort of ran me into the theater. Um, in middle school, I joined the drama club and our first show, sixth grade, we did Hello Dolly. And I'm obsessed with Hello Dolly. Uh, but I did the musical and I like to say I got bit by the bug. Then I was like, okay, I've got to do this again. I tried another elective in seventh grade, 
horticulture. And I was like, nah, let me get back to the drama yeah, club. Yeah, you're like, let's get back to what's actually yeah. really great. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and that next year we did Guys and Dolls. We did Into the Woods Junior, uh, How to Eat Like a Child, and The Wizard of Oz were my shows in middle school. Um, and at the time, my high school that I ended up going to, Hamilton Music Academy in Los Angeles, we would go see, my middle school would go see shows at Hamilton High School. Mm -hmm. And they did these amazing, amazing productions. It was a public high school, but because we were sort of in the middle of Los Angeles, West LA, you had the Valley, South Bay, Los Angeles, and uh, I forgot the other, the, the other area, but all these students <laughs> yeah. would flock to the central portion of Los Angeles. So we had heavily funded shows because I went to high school with a lot of students whose parents were celebrities or like were producers of shows or like design sets on back lots for Universal. We just had all kinds of parents that worked in the industry, so heavily funded. Um, so we did these amazing shows and they, we hired amazing Broadway talent to come choreograph our shows. Jane Lanier choreographed three of our shows, Jerry McIntyre, Sandal, mm. Ber Sandal Bergman, they're like Fosse people. Um, they set shows at my high school, so I got a, a lot of really great Fosse training mm. in that musical theater program at Hamilton High School. At the same time, I started taking dance as well my freshman year because you could get PE credit for taking dance. And I was like, yeah. great, let me take dance, get this <laughs> PE credit. But because our dance program was so competitive as well, my teacher there, Karen McDonald, she's headmaster at Debbie Allen Dance Academy now. A lot of those students in the dance program would go after school to study at Debbie Allen's Dance Academy around the corner. So it was a pretty competitive dance program as well. I was the worst one. I was always struggling in the dance division, but because I was training with such great students, it was paying off in the musicals and I was getting like features mm, in the musical mm -hmm. as a dancer. I was like steam heat dancer sophomore <laughs> year and it was such a big deal because we did original choreography. Um, but as I was sort of cross training, I found myself getting stronger and stronger. I also joined choir as well. I remember being 13 years old, walking into the choir room. I started high school early. Walking into the choir room, I was like, hey, I'm Ramon. He's like, bass two. <laughs> um, so I was singing bass two at 13 years oh old. God. And all of these talents just started to develop at one time. And I really got to put them all together in our musicals, these huge musicals that we did. Um, I was never the best at anything. I was not the best singer. I was not the best dancer. I was not the best musical theater person. I always sort of found myself in situations where people were so focused and knew what they wanted to do. And I, was, I always felt like I was catching up. Because of that though, I always worked hard. Like mm -hmm. I have to be as good as, or try to be as good as, I gotta move up a level. Um, I talk about stretching in class. I remember just stretching for like three weeks, trying to get my split so I could move up in the dance division. Um, I didn't move up until senior year. I think I was in the advanced classes. My senior year, I was in all the advanced levels in high school. Um, but I was still the worst one in all the advanced classes because I just was working and working and working hard trying to keep up with my friends and classmates. Um, at the time, Boko would actually come to my high school and oh, wow. like do a presentation. Yeah. Um, and that's when I found out about the conservatory. Um, I applied and I got in. And again, I got here with students that were so intense about their careers. They knew like what they wanted to do, what roles they wanted to play. Like my biggest dream was to be the ribbon dancer in Wicked, you know, <laughs> like twirling a ribbon. Um, 
So I, I still felt like I had a lot to learn. But again, because of that, I just knew that I had to work hard and work hard and work hard. Yeah. Um, and ballet class, my first ballet classes were here at the conservatory. Michelle wow. Chasse was my ballet teacher. I was in ballet too. Um, it was a terrifying experience. Uh, but because I sort of took to dance a bit more naturally than most, um, I moved up quickly. I remember my freshman year, before I was in Michelle's class, they put me in ballet five. And I was like, excuse me, I've never taken ballet. I would like to learn terminology and really understand it for my body. So then I got moved down to level two. Uh, but for that reason, I just kept working hard. I was like, I need to know so I can just be good, you know? Um, yeah, and through that, it, I just kept going for it. Just kept going for it. I was uh, lucky to be in uh, quite a few main stages here. Mm -hmm. um, again, never ever being the best at any one thing in my class, but just wanting to do better and better. Um, and the school gave me many opportunities to sort of nurture those things um, in a safer environment with shows. Um, yeah, and I found myself just continuing to work hard. I still feel like I'm doing that right now, just working hard. Yeah. Um, my junior year, though, uh, my ballet teacher, he goes, hey, you should go to Boston Ballet. And I was like, maybe not. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. And he yeah. says, no, let, let's try it. So I auditioned. I got into their five-week summer program. It was terrifying. I was 19 years old. I was one of the oldest kids there. It was the summer of 2008, I think. And you get to the summer program with all of these accomplished ballet dancers that are 13 and 14 and 15. And I'm like going into my junior year at BOCO, um, terrified because they were amazing. And I was like, I certainly have only been taking ballet for two years. I don't have as much training as they do. They put me in the advanced class. I moved myself down again. I was like, I need to know the information for my body. Yeah. You know, I was never one that wanted to be in an advanced class and like stress out about it. I was like, no, put me where I need to be so I can learn and actually absorb information and apply it. Um, that was important for me. But standing at a ballet bar for five days a week, for five weeks, your body begins to change whether you want it to or not. Mm -hmm. And techniques sort of begin to find its home in my body, <laughs> yeah. for the lack of a better term. I mean, it really just cleaned up my lines and my technique. It sort of became second nature in that regard. Um, yeah, that's my journey through BOCO. Do I need to keep going? No, I think that was, that was kind of, you know, takes you to the end of college, I yeah, guess, of yeah. just the journey that it took to get there. Because I think we all here, we all admire you so much. And we're like, oh my gosh, it's Ramon. He's the cleanest lines, the best like, <laughs> dancer we've like ever seen ever. <laughs> and you don't really know what went into that at first. And yeah. so that's why I was really interested in talking to you just because to get to where we are now, there is so much history that you don't see when you just look at a person. Yeah. And just knowing that maybe you always felt like you weren't the best in the class or wasn't, like you weren't always like what we see Today. Yeah, I was no one's star. I was no one's star. I mean, but maybe I think, you were, but maybe you, maybe you're selling yourself short. You, but I'm saying like, <laughs> I, I think you have people that arrive early, and yeah. I was not one of those people in high school that was just like getting lead after lead after lead. You know, I remember we did Kiss Me Kate. A 15 year old was Kate, and she was amazing. And I was like, I'm certainly not that. But getting to Boko, amazing talent here, and I was like, wow, I'm certainly not that. You know, I had this deep voice, and I was so skinny, and I was like, oh my gosh, when is my body and my talent going to sort of, you know, 
pair up and, and create a product. Mm -hmm. um, so I just knew that I had to continue to work hard. And then yeah. sort of looking outside of school, I was like, what does that whole world look like? You know, mm -hmm. there was so much talent here. I think it's to an advantage <clears throat> being in a program like this because you do get a glimpse of what the world is like and the talent that's out there. And this is still just a small scope of it. Very so small, yeah. it's important to always look outside of this place as well and continue to work hard. I say that all the time in class, just focus on you, focus on your skills, focus yeah. on trying to be good. I And at the time we didn't have social media, so we couldn't look up clips from a Broadway show. YouTube came out my freshman year of college. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we, we didn't have access to like people's workout regimens and their eating habits. And we didn't, you had to go to New York to see a show to know what was going on. Beyond that, it was like, I wanna be on Broadway. I guess I just have to practice. I just, I, I have to practice. And I was in the studios on the weekends. I remember being in the tap studio, like shuffling away. <laughs> Freshman year, first week of school. And this junior's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, practicing for tap placements. <laughs> She's like, we're going to a party, come on. So I was always in the studio practicing. Yeah. Um, and you need to do that just to make sure your body is prepared and that you know that you know that you know what you're doing. It sounds intense, but we are in a place where hard work pays off and to succeed in life, whether it's being a teacher somewhere else or being an architect, you gotta put in the work. Yeah. There, there's no way to fake that or work around it for that matter. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. Like what you said of just, you have to put in the work to see yeah. results. Yeah. And I think what we do here at the conservatory where, you know, some people, they pursue theater through a BA program and yeah. that's totally fine, but you're not doing it every day, all day. Yeah. Much. We're here, we're going from like 10 a.m. to like some people 9 p.m. or nine, like a nine to five pretty much. It's yeah. as if you're doing like a job every single day. You have something to do. You're dancing four times a week if, if that's what you're doing and you have to always be prepared to do anything yeah and I think like having a program like this that is so structured like really just produces people who know how to take care of themselves a little bit too and we have a wellness class yeah. that you yeah. know that you taught yeah and it's just like seeing that and knowing that you didn't have that when you were here and then seeing what you're doing now to kind of help the next generation of people who are studying it's just really cool yeah to observe. it's important too yeah. I, I think the world has changed so much in how we take care of ourselves mm -hmm. and i think whereas when i was coming up it was like bring down the hammer there is more of an awareness of uh, yes let's bring down the hammer but how can i maintain myself yeah. with that in mind Definitely. you know i don't think we should bring the hammer down any less harder than we did back in the day, but we have uh, resources now to make sure we're doing it properly and taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. when we're not in practice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you share so many resources in class of yeah. just what to do to keep yourself really in shape and just making sure that, you know, we're taking care of ourselves so that we can do this for a long yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, you've had a long career already and it's still going. So it's like, there's so much to prepare for on the way to just fulfilling, just having a fulfilling life. Yeah. Um, and so did you ever have a, like, besides that one little time that you tried the other thing, did you ever have a time where you thought maybe you wouldn't perform as a career and you were like, maybe this <clears throat> is just for fun? No, I didn't. I didn't. And that sounds wild because I didn't see my first Broadway show until I was 15. My choir in high school, we went to New York City for a competition. We won first place. No. <laughs> um, but we saw Wicked and we saw Avenue Q. Mm -hmm. 
And that was my first time seeing a Broadway show. That's an so. interesting one to bring kids to, Avenue Q. Yes, yes, very interesting. I was like, why did we see this? <laughs> Wicked, I guess. Yeah, but I don't Avenue know Q, about the other one. I don't know what else was on Broadway, but I guess the tickets were sold out. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess those were the two at the time. Yeah, Avenue yeah, Q won yeah. the best musical over Wicked. Yeah. They, they thought, they didn't do research, I guess. They did not do research. <laughs> I'm like, why do we do that? <laughs> um, but yeah, in high school, you know, I think we all come from our high school programs and we're like, this is our Broadway, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I had so many friends that were so determined without having even seen a Broadway show. I was like, I want to do this too, you know? Again, I wasn't soaring at it, but I felt myself finding a groove in it. And I was like, I'm actually good at this. I was not good at sports. I wasn't particularly good at one thing. I wasn't like, again, a, the best dancer. I wasn't the best vocalist, but musical theater sort of allowed me to do it all in a way that showcased my strengths. And I really okay. enjoyed that, you know, doing on the town in high school and having the opening soloist, like the bass, you know? <laughs> I was like, wow, like this is really working out for my capabilities. Um, <clears throat> so I knew I wanted to do it. And as I was determined in my practice, it almost felt like as I was taking one step, doors were opening and coming towards me. You know, I was mm -hmm. putting in work, BOCO came to our school. You know, I was putting in work and opportunities would present themselves at BOCO. Um, and I always had a feeling that this was something that I was going to do. One, because there wasn't anything else that I had put that much time into. And two, I wasn't good at anything else. <laughs> I mean, I doubt that, but I said. Quite simply though, quite, quite simply, I had spent all my time working on this. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to the conservatory and with our schedules, you grow into this being a living, breathing thing. It was like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, I made that decision in high school though. My parents, again, not coming from a theater family, they're just sort of like, he has a passion. You know, my parents were seeing that things were turning over and that opportunities were coming my way. And they're like, well, let's just see where it goes. And I, I want to say partly was determined to show them that one can do this, you know, them not being educated in theater. Um, but part of me loved it so much too. I loved it so much and how it allowed me to express myself mm -hmm. and that I was good at it, you know? I was like, wow, okay, things are happening here. Yeah. Um, so I was always certain and in the back of my mind, even on the toughest days at school, I was like, no, we're gonna do this. We are going to do this. I, I, there was just a little voice inside of me saying, we have this, we have this. Um, it didn't meant at all that I was that that I was going to stop working at it, you yeah. know. Um, even in my early twenties, you know, I remember working at Disneyland, and all my friends, a couple of friends, were like on tour with West Side Story, and a friend booking a Broadway show here. And I'm going to my mom because I had to move back home to Los Angeles. And I was like, Mom, like I feel like everybody's booking big shows. Like when's it going to be my turn? You know, mm -hmm. like when's it going to be my turn? Um, and I was doing regional theater and, you know, great opportunity. But I was like, I want a big show, mom. Um, but I was still taking class. And in practice, I always took class. Yeah. I always took class. After graduation, when I was low on cash, I would find $20 and go take dance class. I think it's so important, sidebar, to stay in practice and to check in with yourself that your instrument is ready for usage also it was validation for me, mm -hmm. you know, like, no, I wasn't booking jobs. Yes, I was getting callbacks, but taking dance class was like, Ramon, you were still in New York City. You were still alive. You're still dancing. You got called out to dance solo today. It was, it just kept me going in a way that I needed. So mm -hmm. w whether I had tons of cash or not, 
I was going to class because it reminded me why I was in the city and it just kept me moving forward in that way. It, yeah. it, it made me feel present. Um, so yeah, early 20s, I was at Disneyland doing a regional gig and uh, taking class. And I was on my way to Tokyo Disney, which was, I was thrilled about that. I was like, great, I want to go to Tokyo Disney. I, love, I went this past year. Really? To Tokyo, uh -huh. like to, and to Japan, and to go to Disney. And Did so, you go to the parks? I, we went to Disney Oh, City. man. And that's so, awesome. Yeah, I was like, gonna, this is the best place. Like, it's so fun. I bet I want to go to one of their parks overseas. Um, I was hired to do Big Band Beat, which was this big, like, 1940s review. I was a, like a tap dancer in that show. And two weeks before that, I booked Motown the Musical, the tour. Mm. Um, and I was like, wow, Tokyo will never hire someone like me again. Just peacing out two weeks before, you know, having to be in Japan. Um, but yeah, that was my moment. But throughout that entire time, I just kept moving toward my goal. Mm -hmm. And I talk about goals all the time in class. Yeah. I always had a goal list at the beginning of every year. Like, what am I trying to accomplish this year? Mm -hmm. And anything that didn't align with what I was trying to accomplish, I did not make time for, you know? I was always trying to be on Broadway or book a tour. So I was always in practice. And it's important that you hold yourself accountable in that regard too. Like, mm -hmm. what do you want to do? And yeah. align your life in that way that moves you in that direction. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying so much about consistently taking classes, like I always think about, you know, when we're done here at the conservatory, we're not just gonna stop training because that's not really how it works. You, you gotta yeah. just continue yeah. to do that while you're auditioning, while you're doing that, you have to keep up with your voice lessons so that stays in check. It's like you don't just come out of here fully ready for everything. You no, gotta just well, like keep working toward it. And I think just, that's kind of like your thesis, like yes. what you always say about just everything is you have to consistently do that or else you either lose it, you're gonna lose it. It is, your education is the time for you to get tools and put them in your bag because the journey begins once college is over. I remember moving to New York City going, okay, there are no friends, no classmates, because I moved, my lease was up in June and everybody else was moving in September. <laughs> so I'm in New York City, June, and I'm like, okay, there's no one around. Like, Ramon, what are you gonna do? You know, like, I got all these tools. And I say all the time I was a late bloomer because so many ideas and concepts went over my head in college. But they certainly came to my aid when I had callback material to do or when I was in a show. Everything that I needed, I had it in me, mm -hmm. and it came to my aid. It just needed to come back. When I was in a situation where I needed to use it. Yeah. And I say, trust that about your education too, it works. You have this information, but it all doesn't happen like you're a senior and you're like, okay, I'm ready. No, 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 no. <laughs> there are people twice your age that are still growing yeah. and developing their talents. Also, like a fine wine, it gets better with age. You know, yeah, you become yeah. <laughs> so much more refined. You find your sweet spots, you find how to instantly create moments, how to pull out of those. It, it, it becomes autopilot. It's almost like an autopilot that continues to develop. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and such a good message for just like, you gotta keep going. You, you do, can't, you, you can't do. stop. Yeah. Um, and so what about performing, like I guess, just caught your eye and made you just love it so much, either just doing it or seeing it, or like did you attend shows when you were younger? Because I know for me, I would go to Pantages. Uh-huh, oh my um, gosh. Yeah, because like my dad, he would go and take us there, and I didn't like it at the time, but then later uh -huh. on I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just like what was it about performing and, and about now that brings you so much joy? Not having seen a Broadway show until I was 15 or 16, I loved 
the camaraderie. I, I, I loved establishing a world with the people around me. And I guess, I don't wanna say it's almost like an insider community on stage, but I love that portion of it. Dancing in unison with people, singing together and we're moving together. I just love the collaboration of it all. Mm -hmm. And then getting to the process too. Learning it, getting to rehearse it, and then getting to do it yeah. all was just, the different phases of the process were always so exciting to me. Music rehearsal, I love music rehearsal. Basses, let's sing, oh, <laughs> just like I was obsessed with it all. Um, I, I, I loved having to fight for like a spot in the front as a teenager, you know? I, I loved the, the friendly competition that it breeded. I always mm -hmm. felt like I was growing in process. And I would always say, every show that I do, what am I taking with me? What am I learning from it? What am I taking to my next show? And I found myself continuing to develop because of that idea. Mm -hmm. So whatever phase I was in of the process, there was something I was taking, applying to my life, applying to my practice, and taking it to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. I think that's what we should do because shows cross so many genres. There's so much information, whether it's something historical or about um, uh, the music or the dancing. There's just something that you should learn and sort of yeah. make a part of your bag of tools and I found that so exciting and I found myself always getting better because of it and sort of applying information from one genre to another because I did something similar and I know how to you know already adapt to a certain style because I learned this two shows ago mm -hmm. um, and I love that I also just love the, the joy of people having a good time you know when something that it's alive something goes wrong on stage and you hear the audience react you know you, you can't really <laughs> yeah. make those things up it, it's so exciting to me um and the the tangible energy that i feel mm -hmm. when i get to perform in a heightened situation i think has been something that has always driven me back to the stage yeah no i think performing it's such like there is really nothing like it. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, people like the, what is it, the biggest fear of America or in the world is like public speaking. Yeah. And that's kind of what we do for our jobs. And like, I get so <clears throat> much anxiety. Like I have very intense anxiety when it comes to performing, but like you get through it and you just yeah. do it because you know you still like this craft. Yeah. Um, and it's just like this energy that's like no other. To see a Broadway show, there's nothing like yeah, it. Yeah. To be in a Broadway show, I'm sure there's nothing like that yeah. either. Even though people do say it's like performing at any other place, it's like, no, it's, it's probably very different. It is. So we do need to talk about Beetlejuice now okay. because that is our little segue into yeah. talking about your most recent Broadway journey because you have been on Broadway twice. Um, and so going into Beetlejuice, you were in the original cast in DC <laughs> yeah. and you did it on Broadway. Broadway, then we had a little little break, well, closed, then a break, and yeah. then announcement that it was coming back. A yeah. lot of stuff happened. Um, I was a mega fan of the show. Like, I don't think I told you this, but no I was way. a huge fan of Beetlejuice. Saw it 2019, instantly fell in love with it, listened oh to gosh. the cast recording like every day. No way. Yeah. I actually had a Beetlejuice Instagram account at one point. No way. Yeah, because I had wow. my Broadway account 
And then I was like, Ashley, you're posting too much about Beetlejuice. <laughs> Let's make another account. And so I did that for a little bit longer. And then later on, I was like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm like, I can't wow. do this anymore. It's too much. But I did have it at that point. Way I'm just to stand. Like, like, you kept us going. <laughs> Thank you. I was obsessed, I can say. I mean, it was just such a show about life. It was yeah. about death. Yeah. Um, and it had so many different things that like either, you know, kids could see it and enjoy it or adults can see it and see all of the little nuanced moments in it mm -hmm. because it had so many layers. Yeah. Um, and to be a part of an original company, there's nothing like that either. Yeah. You getting yeah. to create something, you get to create your own track. I mean, I was watching the bootleg <laughs> like yesterday, just trying to like see all the little moments within yeah. each thing where like, you could watch one person for every single each show if you saw it multiple times and see something completely different mm -hmm. within that um and so for you to originate that what did that feel like it was wild i <laughs> i think the biggest gift in theater of, of talking about dream roles you know my only dream was eventually creating new theater i think is the biggest gift that one can have because we all have seen The Wizard of Oz. You know, when you play Dorothy, we know who Dorothy is, sort of what her parameters are, mm -hmm. Scarecrow, Tin Man, Lion. When you do a new work, it's like, I get to create what these parameters are, and anytime someone does this after me, they have to do this blueprint. Mm -hmm. And I was obsessed with that idea. I was um, actually talking to someone at, like earlier today doing another podcast, and she was talking about creating a track for Here Lies Love. Yeah. Um, and how she was trying to make it as easy as possible for the future person. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> she she's in Wicked right now, and she's yeah. like, this is weird. What's going on? Why is this like that? And so for her own track, she made it as like streamlined, I guess, as possible. Mm -hmm. So you did the same, I'm guessing. Like, no, Beetlejuice was wild. I danced <laughs> with no arms. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. it, it was crazy in that I consider myself a classic theater person. Mm -hmm. I, I love classic shows. Give me a Hello Dolly, a 42nd Street, a Guys and Dolls. I think that's the genre that my talents are best suited for. That's the style that I gravitate to. Nice long lines and, yeah. you know, Broadway style dance. Um, Beetlejuice is a quite different I know, experience. I know. And then doing Motown, <laughs> sort of sitting into like black theater, soul Motown style. That sort of sits in a sweet spot for me. But Beetlejuice was like, what is this? I remember <laughs> getting the show and being like, okay, like, Great, you know, because in that show, you're actually a human being one time on stage and then everything else is a creature. So yeah. I never had permission to just play and play and play. You know how you do a show and you're in the ensemble and sometimes you and your friends have like all these silly moments and you've developed this like sort of community off stage. Yeah. Beetlejuice was like, bring all that silliness to the forefront of your characters right now. Like yeah. do whatever, literally whatever, whatever you wanted anything. to do, anything, yeah. anything was appropriate. <laughs> and it created such a freedom and a playground. I've never had so much fun at a job and working with actors whose wheelhouse was this world of comedy. It was a masterclass mm -hmm. in comedy. Every single rehearsal, I had never laughed so hard at a job, <laughs> in a dressing room, in rehearsal. It was just brilliance out of every nook and cranny of every person in that room. Um, and it was exciting, sort yeah. of finding ways to harness that and tell a story. Um, yeah, 2018, 
it was crazy doing the out-of-town tryout because we're rehearsing this show and you know you're reading the script and it's like large sandworm appears you're like yeah how are they gonna do that and they're like <laughs> and then they fall through the floor you're like yeah sure you know <laughs> but seeing this come to life on stage and having an actual fun house every day to play on was uh, a gift I'm mm -hmm. so glad that I got to do a show that was top tier production quality because oh my I gosh, think such top yeah. tier. I mean, and Alex Timber's director. Yeah, and yeah. like as David Corns also said, yeah. they both did Here Lies Love as well, but they also did Beetlejuice together. And I'm like, that is wild, crazy. It was wild. The house, how it was three different sets on one, just and even what they did to just the theater. Yeah. I remember walking in because I only saw it once at the Winter Garden, mm -hmm. and the the lights were green and everything yeah. was kind of in the like in that mood, and it instantly just transports you to that place. Alex Timbers is yeah. really great at transporting you to a place. Oh, just yeah with how he with his past few projects yes. you're just like oh my gosh yeah, yeah he loves that so much yeah. and he's just great to work with and um yeah it was a really fun 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 experience like to have such high production quality be with a cast of really amazing talent it, it was certainly a show to go out on i'll say Mm -hmm. And do you have one favorite memory? I know that's like, oh, I mean, that's man. from like there's so many. That's like five years or so, I think. To, okay, yeah, I've, to pick from, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I've got a really good one, a funny one. We're in previews for Broadway, and during previews, it's crazy because you're doing a show at night, rehearsing. You have notes after that show. <laughs> you're rehearsing those changes in the daytime. You're teching those changes they go on stage that night. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, we're gonna get that music tomorrow afternoon, choreograph it and put it on stage. And we're like, <laughs> okay, and you're exhausted, <laughs> but it's so exciting. Um, one evening, creepy old guy, they are changing <laughs> the cut for the dance break. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, you guys, we're gonna rehearse the new choreography and the new music today. We're rehearsing the new dance break today. Mm -hmm. It is going into the show tomorrow. We rehearsed it that day. We teched it on stage that day. It's going into the show tomorrow. Everybody got the memo, except when we were on stage doing the number, the orchestra did not get the memo. <laughs> so literally during choreography and everybody hears the music change and you just see everyone freezing like panic <laughs> and like one person lands center stage with Alex Brightman and we all just like laughing in our skeleton costumes. It was wild and they film every show every night. So yeah, yeah. as one of our stage managers was leaving, she put together this slideshow of all of her favorite backstage memories and she gifted us that like 15 Aww. seconds of complete mayhem on stage. It was. One of the funniest things, because every little, every person was involved in it and everyone was panicking at once. It was <laughs> hilarious and so stressful too. I, I mean, like, at least <laughs> I couldn't see your actual faces. Oh my gosh, yes. Those... If people had seen the actual faces, I think that would have been like yeah. even crazier. That was a whole thing too, those <laughs> skeleton masks, because we could see out of the mouths of them and there was like a sheer 
piece of fabric over the teeth, but it, you could hardly see out of them either because the, <laughs> the audience is dark. It was, it was just a wild, a wild experience yeah, wearing I mean, that costume. To see Beetlejuice <laughs> is such an experience. Yeah. And for it to still live on on the tour. Yeah. And I know they did a production in Korea once. Yeah, like, that yeah. was crazy. Yeah. I remember seeing videos from that. Yeah. It's like it is so expansive now. It didn't mm -hmm. just have that one. The, well, the two runs on Broadway. Um, yeah, I forget <laughs> they had that Korean production. I think they did one in Spain too. Well, now I, I feel like it's all over now. Yeah, I'm like, um, it's going everywhere. It's one of those big shows yeah. that everyone would <clears throat> want to do. And even if like high schools would do it, I feel yeah, like it would yeah. be so much fun to play like Beetlejuice or play Lydia. It's like, or what play is Delia. Going on? I, yeah. I think Delia is hilarious. <laughs> so Delia many great roles. Funny. I'm like, I would, I know I would like to play Barbara. That's yeah, my, oh my gosh. Like, that's yeah. my dream. I'm like, I would love that. I'm too tall to play Lydia and probably too old at this point, a little bit. But I'm like, Obviously. Just Barbara, a hair too tall. Yeah, just a little bit. But I'm like, long, down the line, Barbara's yeah. my girl. <laughs> yeah, okay. One of my favorite people. Um, Another one, though. Anytime something went wrong on stage, there are so many technical aspects to the show. Alex Brightman was a master <laughs> in just improv and he would always just take us out, which was fun just to be a part of. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, separately. I mean, every single person in that cast, I think, was so like at the top of their game when yeah. they were, when it was when it was on Broadway yeah. and just like really getting the chance to see that was such a special experience yeah. in both iterations yeah. through cast changes and through different things happening in the production it was like it still kept true to um, stay true to that like heart that it always had in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and how was dancing without arms? Well, you've talked about this oh, before man. in dance class. I don't know if everyone understands what you're talking about when you say that. But like what was when did you get that? When did they say you're going to be dancing with no arms and having to do all the acting with your head and your foot. I saw when everyone put their hand in, you put your foot in. Yeah. I was like, the choices you made were great. During the out-of-town <laughs> tryout, too, my clone got eaten by the sandworm. Oh. So I had to back up out of the door and like backwards roll off of the set with no arms. <laughs> but they told me this when they were assigning our clone assignments. They're like, oh yeah, and your arms get ripped off. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> and I was like, and then I exit. And they're like, no, the dance break. And I was like, LOL. <laughs> you, you've got to be kidding me. Um, so yeah, that was an experience. And because of that, that, that's when I was like, wow, I get to make this whatever I want. And a lot of the time during that rehearsal process, the choreographer was choreographing the dance for everyone. And I'd be sitting there like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, he wasn't like, and Ramon, this is what you do. Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I have to figure out what I am singularly doing with no arms. I remember one point I get slapped and I fall <laughs> on the ground after um, he conducts us and he slaps me. And I remember the next thing they did was tell me that my number was 12. And I was like, well, how do I get there? You know, I wasn't <laughs> going to stop rehearsal. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to crawl on my back and roll backwards. Like, it was so fun. First, a lesson in that was be an actor who takes initiative. Yeah. Don't raise your hand and ask every little thing. Be someone that makes choices. And it was so fun just having him make those choices. When he said everybody put their hands in, no one said, oh, yeah, Ramon, you're going to. Ramon was like, well. I want to put my foot in. I'm gonna, you know, I yeah. had to just make choices and it was really exciting for that reason. Mm -hmm. Once upon a time we had knives oh, and we were scaring the neighbor lady who walks in with the cake. We were scaring her with knives. Oh my gosh. 
I know. We had so many changes. I mean, it, yeah, the Beetlejuice has gone through a lot. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Town <laughs> was wild. Um, but I wasn't like, excuse me, how do I get a knife? I told my friend, put the knife in my mouth. So I'm like, <laughs> walking over the knife in my mouth. It was crazy yeah. and fun and exciting. And um, yeah, we just got to play. You know, all of it was figuring it out. I remember yeah. specifically one time we do like a step, 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 prepare, turn, turn down. That's in a beautiful sound. And I remember a girl was like, um, can we just have like a larger prep for the pirouette? And I was like, I'm literally prepping with no arms. Like, are you really asking <laughs> if we can have a larger prep? Like, yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> like, you can do it, I promise. Yeah, I was like, you can do it. I'm doing it with no arms. Come on. <laughs> Buck up. <laughs> well, yeah. But the fact that you were able to just make those choices and feel welcome to make those choices yeah. is like a special experience as well. And like, I think what's so special <clears throat> for me now that I'm your student and I'm learning from you, but I can go back and look at performance videos of you it's like you did the thing and then you're helping us figure out how to also do those same things. Yeah. You're encouraging us to make choices and do things that aren't always the choreography. I mean, it's hard, but I'm trying. Yeah, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, but, but yeah. you find that when you do and when you say, this is what I'm going to do, people are like, thank you. Nice. Yes. Yeah. No, they're um, not like, oh, you're doing too much. No. It's always like, oh, welcome that in. That like You're doing what yeah. they're wanting you to or do. Or they shape it for you, you know, yeah. but you've got to bring your best ideas all the time. I love that about that show. It allows you to always make a choice and a big choice a yes. really big one something subtle something that wasn't going to read again we were creatures the entire time so like <laughs> whatever the furthest thing in your mind was that's what we want you to bring into the room and it was a challenge in that way but a fun one because mm -hmm. everyone was doing it oh yeah and then what what went into the the choice for it's technically the reprise of beautiful sound yeah. with the tongue well. I mean, I don't know if people know, but if you were to watch Ramon, <laughs> watch Ramon in Beetlejuice during that song, and Alex is in the front, and most people would be looking at Alex, but if you look a little bit to the left, there's Ramon. Sitting on the couch, yeah. Just like no arms, just like going crazy with your tongue. Like, yeah. what? How, but when did you think of that? In <laughs> well, in light of making choices, my clone was more of like an excited puppy dog. Aww. And in me thinking of my dog, Miles, his little tail's always going. So my excitement was via my tongue. <laughs> I, I so was it would slow down, that. it would pick up, like... it would like slow down, it would rest, it would pick up again. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching that last night and I was like, oh my God, I never noticed that until now. I was like, what is going on? But yeah, that it's one like, became a fan favorite. You I, know? Yeah, no, I'm like, <laughs> I gotta look back now and watch the entire show, but just find you. I'm like, that, you know, it's just, it's so great when you're able to really look at all the ensemble yeah. members and get to see a different story within each yeah, one. It's yeah. like, that's kind of the beauty of Broadway and with the show like Beetlejuice where like in some, in some numbers you're looking similar, some you're looking different. And like, you know, most Broadway, it's like, look exactly the same. But Beetlejuice, it's like, go crazy. Yeah. Do whatever you want. <laughs> that also allowed me to have fun because I'm a clean lines person too. I love a clean line. I was like, Ramon, you literally, no one cares like how straight your leg is. No one cares like if you're passe. It's like, it was like, just get around twice and like, 
and be a clone. <laughs> a clone didn't study ballet and jazz, you know? Like, they <laughs> he just didn't go to Boko. <laughs> no, no. So it was fun to just play and let loose in that way, yeah. too. Yeah, and, and Tony Awards. What was, what was it like to oh, perform man. on the Tony Awards? Because I've was... heard for some people, <clears throat> they step on the stage, they black out. They don't know what went on. Do you remember everything from it? What was rehearsals like? What was being in the trailers like? Did you take pictures of people in the hallway like most people do? Like, yes. Did yes. you do it all? <laughs> yeah, when I was in Beetlejuice, I was always on Instagram. I was I was <laughs> crazy. Were you really? On yes, yes. So I had recorded everything. Oh I posted gosh. videos. Um, it's a really exciting time because, and it's exhausting, because you still have to do your eight shows a week, but then you have rehearsals for the Tonys twice that week, then mm. another rehearsal for the opening number as well. So you're in oh, all right, these rehearsals yes. doing yeah. your shows. And then when your show is done, I think that afternoon, you like hang out and get ready for the Tonys that morning. That morning, yeah. you get dressed, go to Tony rehearsal, you do your show, and then you come back and do the Tonys. Um, so it's pretty exhausting, but it's so exciting because you're like, oh my gosh, we're on the, the Tonys. Tonys. <laughs> um, I've never been in a theater with that many seats, and I've mm. never seen that many people in a space. Rehearsal's really cool because you see all of the headshots and names of the Those artists are cool. that are sitting in the house, and it's such a thrill seeing your friends that are in other shows. You know, you all are in costume backstage. You're seeing people who you've admired walking backstage, and it's, it's so exciting. Um, and a thrill, you, you just feel like this buzz of theater <laughs> energy backstage. It, it's certainly, a dream, mm -hmm. I'll say. And I'm so glad that being in a part of an original show, it sort of gave me all my bucket list. You know, a cast yeah. album, Macy's Day Parade, The Tonys, The View, and The Today Show, and just so many things that one wants to do, you know, when they yeah. do a show. Oh, definitely. It's like, you know, check off the Tonys. You're like, whoa, what happens now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> for most people, that's like to perform on the Tony Awards. It's like you watch it when you're younger. Yeah. And you just dream of being on that stage. Yeah. And you got to do it at Radio City, too, before yeah. they started switching up the locations. I know, I know. But you got to be in kind of what people know as the Tony Awards on yeah. that giant stage mm -hmm. with those like four tiers of balconies. It's and just wild. getting to be there with your cast and and having being tired, I'm sure, but appreciating it. You're tired, though. but you're just like, ah. I mean, it kind of works for the show too. I yeah. Think. yeah. Beetlejuice, you're just kind of like, yeah, that's the energy, and you're just gonna take that and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you manage doing eight shows a week? Because that in itself is crazy mm -hmm. to even think about. I've done, I think, like a five show week before, mm -hmm. but I don't think I've done an eight show week before. Yeah. And you're just you're dancing every single day. Like, did you have to do PT a lot? Did you have to just not do anything else besides the show? Like, what was your process of just getting into a routine? Well, it's hard for sure because <laughs> our show particularly has a rake stage. Oh, it does. So okay. even just standing after a while, you start to feel that in your lower back. And then we're jumping off of things. Somebody's doing flips off of a table. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. physically demanding. People are tumbling. Um, I want to say I had one of the easiest tracks. I didn't do any flips. I jumped off of like one thing, um, which I loved for me. Um, but even so, just the maintenance of all of that. Mm -hmm. I had about a 20 minute break during act one. I did a full warm up. I did my plies first, yeah, you second, talked about fourth, that and fifth position. Yeah. The stretch routine that we do in class, I would do that every single day. Yeah. Even though my show didn't require that much of me, it was important for me to make sure my body and my instrument was maintained equally on the right and left side. Mm -hmm. um, 
Usually, you know, because you get out of your show so late in the evening, you'd have to wind down a couple of hours afterwards. I'd wake up around 8, 39 o'clock. I'll either take yoga or a dance class or go to the gym. If it weren't yoga or a dance class, I probably had an audition that day, but I mm. always was working out, doing something. Like I say in class, your show shouldn't be the hardest thing that you yeah, do. You should definitely. do something that prepares you for your work so that you're able to maintain and sort of um, exceed the expectation at your job. Um, and because of that, I felt like my body was pretty well taken care of. Mm -hmm. Around three o'clock, you're like, show's rolling around. I can only eat certain things. You know, you don't <laughs> want to have to use the bathroom during your show. Yeah. Um, so it is. it does put your brain and body on a schedule in that manner. And you just have to roll with it you know again if you're singing a lot and really hard you might be on vocal rest uh oh you might oh, be on good. vocal rest the entire <laughs> yeah, day yeah. um i know alex brightman he didn't speak you know for a lot of the day um because that's what that requirement was for him yeah uh but for me i definitely made sure i was doing something physical throughout the day in preparation mm -hmm. for the show i would never just like sleep all day and go to work um it's hard but you build that stamina and, yeah. and your body gets used to it. It's almost yeah. like working a muscle. Oh, definitely. Eventually you could do it, not with your eyes closed, but you're like, okay, I've done this 400 times. You're almost <laughs> on autopilot for yeah. that matter. Um, go ahead. Oh, and what was it like for you to return to the show after the pandemic? Because I'm sure you did a ton of dancing. You've talked about being in like the garage or in your house or whatever. You were doing things. You didn't just uh, you know come to a standstill when the when the world stopped, and you didn't know you would come back either yeah. to Broadway. Um, and so, what was it like for you to return to a show that you knew so well, but as a different person? Because I know I grew tremendously <clears throat> during the pandemic. Yeah. Like. The person I am now is nothing like the person I was at the very beginning of that. And I'm sure the same is for you. So what was it like to return to something that you knew, but it was a little different? What was most interesting during the pandemic, I began to find different passions. At least teaching came about in a very uh, big way in my life, in a way that I enjoyed and that I wanted to gravitate to. And after being in the industry and performing for so many years, I began to enjoy the consistency of teaching and the freedom that it allowed me, having evenings, having weekends. It allowed me to grow up a little bit in ways that I never had seen myself growing. It allowed me to be a little bit more in control of my schedule and my holidays and it allowed me to settle into myself, mm -hmm. sort of being removed from the theater industry. So going back into Beetlejuice, it being sort of a heightened, crazy environment, yeah. I was almost like, whoa, like I, I'm almost at odds with my work environment because I've sort of become a lot more grounded than when I left. Mm -hmm. um, and it highlighted that I preferred my life as an educator. Mm -hmm, I, I, mm -hmm. I preferred the freedom, the calm that it allowed me. Yeah. I still was able to do what I love to do. Um, I was still able to share it in more positive and wholesome ways. Um, and I found that I preferred that, yeah. which was an interesting crossroads. Like, oh man, I love theater so much. I love these people and the show so much, but I see myself growing in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, so it's certainly a turning point for me, being back at something that I loved and knew so well, mm -hmm. but just as a different person. I, I also found that it was important for me during the pandemic to take a chance on this 
new individual that I was growing into. Yeah. Um, and I was excited to do that. Yeah, I mean, because you did choose to leave Beetlejuice yeah. to come and teach at VOCO. Yeah. Where, you know, the show closed, like, closed around a couple months after you left, but you mm -hmm. did make that decision yeah. instead of, you're like, this is technically the dream to most people yeah, yeah. of Broadway, that's it. Yeah. But then for you, you went and you're like, no, this isn't the most fulfilling thing that's going to be in my life. Yeah. And you decided to come and teach. Yeah. And I think you're doing so much like positive stuff here. I mean, I've been so happy to take class from you every twice a week and like, you know, just making sure that I'm like trying to do breastbone engage, like nice. <laughs> align myself better. <laughs> yeah. And just like, I feel like you're making such a positive impact here at Boco. Everyone adores you. Um, <laughs> and just thinks that you are such an inspiration to everyone. Thank you. And to have you here is such an honor. Um, and so like, what is, this is an interesting question, like what is your philosophy when it comes to teaching? Because everyone kind of does it a little differently, but like when you have a new class or a new year, people who don't know maybe what they're doing at level one, like what is kind of your approach to, in, you know, seeing that people grow in different ways and then also like just develop very fast in, in technique and skill? Well, my first thing is I think it's important to identify what the student wants to do. So first day of class, what are your goals? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's important to connect to connect my curriculum to what they have in mind for themselves then and only then can I challenge you based off of what you said you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It takes it being about me to it being about you and how you want to achieve what you said. Mm -hmm. And I'm only here to help you do that. I have information to help you do that, but you have to be accountable to what you said you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that's how I try to connect to all of my students. Um, because then we're using language based off of the disciplines in which you are putting in practice yourself. The disciplines that I introduce you to that I will continue to give you notes about, that I will continue to harp on you about, yeah. but we do make a conversation about how does this apply to what you said you wanna do, how you said you'd like to grow. Um, typically, that's how I approach dance mm -hmm. education because we all come from and have so many different dance experiences. I think it's important to find out how can I help you achieve what you want to achieve with mm -hmm. all these tools that I'm gonna give you. How do they best serve you, your body, your goals, your physique, your dance training, and your dance education thus far. Mm -hmm. And what is your advice to someone who wants to start dancing but really has no idea where to start? Keep taking class. Keep taking class and find ways to continue to discover it. I talk about this in class. I love teaching dance because I'm rediscovering it all over again and I get like jazz hype. I think um, you do. You always, you always are like ready to jazz. Yeah, I am. I am. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's important to just keep taking class and mm -hmm. when it gets difficult and when it gets frustrating and when it's not happening right away, continuing to do the work. Stay in class and do the work because the more you keep going, much like me at Boston Ballet, something will change standing at a bar for five weeks, five hours a day, yeah. not knowing what I'm doing. I'm here though, I'm here and I'm practicing and I'm doing it and I'm trying. Mm -hmm. Always showing up for yourself, continuing to try and giving yourself grace. In that grace though, making sure you are challenging your own excuses and finding ways to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I personally think you are one of the greatest teachers when it comes to dance of just like 
you understand what you're trying to say. Maybe you don't get it on the first few yeah, tries, you know, but it's like you day. have to just <laughs> you have to keep putting in the work yeah. and having a consistent schedule where we do have jazz twice a week. You know, it'd be fun if it was more. Yeah. But <laughs> having the ability to just do something every single day, yeah. whether you want to or not. Sometimes your body's tired. Yes. Sometimes you're sick. Sometimes you don't want to, like, don't go to class if you're sick, really sick. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, you know, sometimes there's days you're just not feeling it and you yeah. don't want to do it, but then you do and you show up for yourself. And that's the important part of it. Life is about that. I say all the time, the doctor who's delivering a baby, when he doesn't feel like it, he still got to go deliver the baby, you know? And eventually, <laughs> yeah. this does become our work. Right mm -hmm. now, it's shifting from it being a hobby to it's starting to take over your life. When you leave here, this is going to feed me and pay my rent. So it is high stakes. Oh, and you so. do have to put yourself in a category and a place where you have enough of it coming towards you to where it can fulfill your needs in your daily life. And I think that's something that doesn't hit people until after school when it's like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? But you do yeah. have to work in that way because there are a lot of people that wanna do this. And I try to pull out a work ethic that puts you in a place where you aren't in survival mode, rather you have established habits and work ethic that you know will carry you because you worked on developing them. And it's mm -hmm. not like you're scrambling for something once school is over. Like, yeah. I know I'm gonna be okay because I know that I work hard. Yeah. I walked out of here saying that and I feel like we all, if our talents aren't up to par yet, they can get up to par, but oh, you have to keep working hard to develop them in that manner, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's all with the discipline and ethic that you establish here. Yeah, no, and I think that's, that's great what you said about knowing that, knowing when you leave here that you have to just keep going. Yeah. Because I think maybe some people are like, okay, I'm done with school, but then now I have to go do it. And then they figure it out then. But it's like, you know, you got to start early on that and just really get ahead of yourself so that you can set yourself up for success just because there are so many of us in this industry. Yeah. And maybe you don't look like everyone else or maybe you're not like everyone else and there's those differences and those hardships. But it's like you have to endure different things yeah. just to get to where you want to be because everyone has a different journey. Yeah, here's and, the reality yeah. of that too. If you are different than everybody else, use that as your strength. We are all very different. Yeah. We all have very different talents, capabilities, and you can very well be creating a path for more people like you. Mm -hmm. I think the big thing is having to keep going. I'll say a very rough truth about this too. After graduation, within a year, so many people that I went to school with were like, can't do this. Mm. That happens, it happens a lot. Yeah. You've gotta be determined. And that only comes from your certainty that you are capable of working hard. Yeah, no, that's perfect, yeah. I think what you said. It's just, yeah, you do have to just, I think we've said that a bunch already, yeah, working yeah. hard. Yeah, it's working just you hard. Have to I want to say hard. it again, work hard. <laughs> <laughs> and Ramon, what is something that has absolutely nothing to do with theater that you love? My dog, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoy cooking. Um, I wouldn't say it's a hobby yet, right now, more so in the summer when I have time and just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Hang out You're at the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. When school's in session, I sort of have to be on a schedule, what like what I can make in a certain amount of time and what'll last during the week. Um, but I, I do enjoy cooking. When the weather's nice, I love riding my bike. I ride my bike to school. Uh, yeah, I've well, Angie and I have seen you yeah. riding your bike down the street and we're like, oh hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love riding my bike. It's interesting because of what we do, I I 
sort of find things that keep me activated and it, they sort of just keep me alive in that way. Mm -hmm. And in an interesting way, I still love taking dance class. There's yeah. a dance class that I found on Saturday mornings where there are no cameras and it's not like commercial. It's just like people that are here to dance. Yeah. And I need that for myself to mm -hmm. still feel alive as an artist and as a dancer. I, I love dance. I remember being in New York City and some friends from college were like, what else do you do? I was like, I take dance class. <laughs> I still love it so much, you yeah. know? And when it brings, when something brings you alive in that way, I'm like, keep leaning towards it, yeah. you know? No, it's like, there is so many things in this world that are like tough, but then when you can't find those moments of joy, yeah. it's like, those are the most important. Um, and who inspires you? One of my biggest inspirations is my dance teacher from high school, Karen McDonald. She taught dance as a way of life and mm -hmm. as a discipline beyond the classroom. Mm -hmm. I'll use balance, for example. She would always say your core is your foundation. And in life, if you have a strong core, you're able to balance your schoolwork and your finances and your relationship with your family and being a sibling. She always just connected it to the person that you were. Mm -hmm. And I am always so, I, I hear her voice in my brain when I'm out and about in the world when I'm in the classroom, she always just connected dance to your person um, and really respected the craft of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always admired her work. She's been in the Michael Jackson thriller video. She was in Sophisticated Ladies originally on Broadway. She still teaches master classes in LA. She's headmaster at Debbie Allen Dance Studio. Mm -hmm. um, she's 70 years old and is in the best shape. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> it's just such a such an active, grounded artist. Mm -hmm. I, I think they don't make artists like that anymore, that sort of just live and breathe creativity and sharing it in such a life-changing way. Mm -hmm. And last question, what do you feel like your younger self would say if he saw you now? Wow, my younger self would be very proud. I always, said that I wanted to come back to BOCO and teach. I said when I was 50, I said I want to sit in a chair and smoke a cigarette and teach <laughs> class with a cigarette in my hand. Um, but as life has it, you know. It happened a little way a earlier. A lot earlier. Um, but I think he'd be very proud, not at sort of the scope of what success means, rather that he believed in, in himself enough to keep going. I recently found my journal from college. I was at home during winter break. And I was reading it just about like main stage auditions and just all these things happening at school. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, dad, one thing I'm reading is that I was so determined. I was so determined. Like things didn't go my way, but I was like, but I'm determined, but I'm gonna mm -hmm. make it happen. And I am so proud of myself for that, yeah. for being determined, for when it got rough, when my lights were about to get turned off my first year in New York City, mm. and my dad saying, I'm not gonna help you pay for the bill, figure it out. That I said, okay, life presented challenges. And I said, we are going to figure it out. Yeah. And I think my younger self would say, wow, you did it. And you are still finding ways to grow. You're not finding error in your life in that way, but you're still saying, where can you expand? Where can you maximize? Where can you utilize all that is in you to offer to this institution and the world for that matter? Mm -hmm. And that's really exciting. And it keeps me moving forward in a way that I am grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm happy to share that every day with you yeah. all. Yeah, I think you are one of the most like grounded people 
that I know of just like you feel, I feel as though you have just like a direction of where you want to be and where you're going. Um, and yeah, it's been so nice today getting to know you a bit better. Thanks, I'm just getting Ashley. to talk about your journey to being who you are today. Because like I said at the beginning, you know, we don't always know what is going on in people's lives and how they got to where they were, yeah. who they are now has so much to do with their past. Yeah. Um, and it's just been an honor to talk to you. So thank Wonderful. you so much. Thank you so much for I've having me. I've had a great episode. Everyone, make sure to keep following Ramon on his social, I mean, do you, do you still use Instagram a little bit? I got bit? my dance Instagram. You got your dance yeah, Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> my dance Instagram. <laughs> well, keep looking at that just in case, you know, there's yeah. some videos and stuff about. Yeah, I always post a weird fun throwback or something <laughs> here and there, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll continue to keep supporting you and keep learning from you because I think you do just bring so much joy to this world and so much inspiration to all of us here who are learning from you. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ashley. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Broadway Corner with Ashley Hall. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time.